What's up, y'all? Welcome in to another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented as always by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download the app and use the promo code DNVR when you sign up. It's Sunday night, September 4th, just wrapped up an insane finish in the Florida State LSU game. An absolute heartbreaker if you're a Tigers fan. A thriller if you're a Florida State fan. Man, what a crazy way for that game to end on a blocked extra point after they drive 98 yards. Just insane. But I had a chance to rewatch the Michigan game this afternoon. Obviously, a really tough loss for CSU in this one. As Jay Norvell said post game, they were just, you know, overmatched too much too soon for the Rams. I'm going to start with my takeaways from this Michigan matchup, then we'll talk about how some of the other games around the Mountain West went. But one of the things that I wanted to lead with is just that the gap between the haves and the the have-nots, and really this applies to like six, maybe eight schools, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, Michigan. You could probably throw Notre Dame in there. The gap between those schools and everybody else is larger than it's ever been. And the reason that I bring this up is is when you see that the Rams got beat 51 to 7 in the big house, that's obviously not what anybody would hope for. I think if you were expecting an upset, that was a delusional mindset to have going into this game. But the lack of parity in college football has, you know, really become a problem. We're seeing it, you know, when number 11 Oregon can't even be on the same field with Georgia, it just it illustrates the the gap, you know, how much deeper these top teams are. And I mean, the fact that CSU scored a touchdown makes me feel better after the fact that, you know, Utah State, a team with some offensive talent, they got shut out 55-0 at Bama. I just think that a lot of fans are still in the mindset that, you know, you can go into these type of places and, and you know, do something crazy, pull a 1994 and, and, you know, beat an Arizona on the road you know, 98, beat Michigan State on the road, 02, you know, CU coming close to beating UCLA. I get all of that. But the game has just changed. And these top couple of teams are just so significantly better than everybody else. I mean, yeah, I, I would certainly love to be able to witness, you know, something like 1994 where the Rams go into, you know, a, a top 10 team and and beat them on their own field that'd be freaking epic i'd love to see it but to me it just kind of feels like we're going to see less and less of those type of of crazy outcomes i'm not saying upsets won't still happen i'm not saying you know insane you know moments won't still be a thing in college football it's a perfectly imperfect game and it always will be but man this this weekend was just kind of eye opening in in terms of how big that gap really is. And obviously, you know, I, I didn't expect CSU to do much. I did think they could cover. And, you know, there, there might have been an opportunity there. Obviously, they played really hard. We'll get into all that. But, I mean, Oregon's got some serious defensive talent. And they didn't even stand a chance. Hopefully, an expanded college football playoff, you know, maybe Texas and USC getting revitalized will result in in kind of some of this top talent out of some of those states you know spreading around a little bit more with more teams in theory at least having an opportunity to compete for the for the championship but uh even even with more teams making it i have a 
I have a tough time seeing these top couple of schools fall. It just feels like they have so many resources and, and so much infrastructure, so many just insane players. You throw like a, a top team out of the Pac-12, you know, out of Georgia, Alabama, and it ends up being like when the MLS All-Stars, you know, play one of the top premier teams, you know, it, they get their butts kicked. It's just interesting. But uh, I'm going to get into the CSU-Michigan game real quick. The wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin. Get ready for the NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet $5 on any football game. Get $200 in free bets instantly. If you want more action for opening night, everyone can experience the thrill of the DraftKings early win promotion. Get up seven, you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use the promo code DNVR, get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonuses issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Money line bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, CSU ended up falling 51-7. Michigan, 440 total yards to 219 from CSU. The Rams had 137 passing yards, 82 rush yards, 14 total uh, first downs, and they were 2 of 11 on third down, 1 of 4 on fourth down. I like the aggressive mindset. I do think there were, you know, maybe early in the second half, pumming could have been better trying to force Michigan to, you know, play the field. But you got to be aggressive. You know, you're playing with house money at this point. Like I said, the gap between these top schools and everybody else is just insane. Michigan really balanced 206 pass yards, 234 rush yards. A lot of those came in the second half, though, after the defense got worn down. Michigan, 24 total first downs. Again, the Rams had 14. Michigan, 4 of 10 on third down, 40%. Pretty good, not phenomenal. Michigan ran 68 total plays, while the Rams ran 59, and they averaged 6.5 yards per play, while CSU averaged 3.7. The most significant sat in this game, definitely sacks allowed. The Rams allowed seven in this one for a loss of 50 yards. Also had 11 tackles for loss from that Michigan defense. So, I mean, they they really just overwhelmed CSU. It's, it's to be expected. I know that Michigan lost some talent from that defense last year. You know, Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo, Daxton Hill, all those guys moved on. But I mean, Mazzy Smith, a defensive tackle, one of the best defensive uh, line prospects in the country. They, they really just did whatever they wanted against the CSU offensive line, who, you know, had a lot of players making their, their first start together. You know, they, they had experience with other schools before the five linemen did, but it's just a whole different animal when you're trying to play together in front of 110,000 people. It seemed like, especially early, there were some high snaps, maybe the it was uh, hard to communicate for Millen and, and Gardner. But it's an area where the Rams have to be better. Obviously, this offense is, is predicated on passing offense, stretching the field, the vertical game. We did see you know, on the touchdown, Clay Millen's pass to uh, Torrey Horton in the fourth. That was gorgeous. I really love also that the Rams showed some fight there. I think it was valuable to continue 
you know, allowing Millen to work through it. I, I know he kind of took a beating and there were some moments where I cringed as well. But putting together that scoring drive is going to be very valuable for his confidence and just the confidence of this entire offensive unit as a whole. On that specific drive, David Bailey, six carries for 27 yards, 4.5 yards per carry. That was the most on the team. Granted, you know, Michigan had subbed a little bit defensively. Also had an eight-yard reception to move the sticks. Could, you know, potentially make a, a case to see a little bit more playing time, just given that he was productive in his reps. But it, it was just a really tough day for this offense. It was, you know, it was hard to run the ball. The Rams averaged 2.1 yards per carry, 39 attempts for 82 yards. I saw some tweets about, you know, you know, more like run raid than air raid. But what do you expect, guys? If you're, if you're getting completely blown back, you can't just drop back every time and try and pass. They're going to tee off on you. You got to try and get some some positive momentum. And, you know, I thought Ajon ran really hard, 10 attempts for 35 yards in this one. Avery Morrow, seven attempts for 21 yards. Definitely need, you know, those guys to to be a little bit more productive. But considering the circumstances, you know, it, it's it's just tough. <laughs> As far as the sacks go, Clay will definitely need to learn to get rid of the ball a little bit quicker at times. But also, I mean, it's just kind of habit when you're, you know, already playing on your heels and, and taking a lot of hits. You know, it, you just you start overthinking it a little bit. It's what young quarterbacks do. The thing that was significant to me was that after forcing that interception in the first quarter on his sixth pass attempt, I believe, just completely did not see the safety crashing in on the receiver. He undercut the route, picked it off, easy play for the DB. He didn't let that compound. Yeah, yeah, he got strip sacks later in the game trying to make a play. But, you know, watching Hank Bachmeyer, senior quarterback with 25 starts under his belt, throw, you know, multiple interceptions against stripped in the first quarter at Oregon State later that night, it just kind of made me think about, you know, the, the fact that, yes, Millen had too many negative plays, but at least he's valuing possessions and coaches will live with sacks sacks over picks any day of the week. He'll improve as it goes on. You know, the, the raw talent is clearly there. He clearly is a competitor. I mean, you know, even when they went down, he's still scrambling, trying to make plays. You know, some of those sacks were a product of him trying to escape the rush and extend the play. And then, you know, obviously ended up losing more yards, but I, I just, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to rail on the kid for, you know, trying to make plays, you know, holding on to the ball a little bit too long because that's what freshmen do. Completed 80% of his pass attempts, 16 to 20, 137 yards, did have that touchdown. I mean, all in all, I'm I'm very satisfied with his debut. Need the offensive line to to be better. And, you know, I am a little bit concerned just given the fact that, you know, the the D-line also kind of won the the scrimmages this year, but I also think that the D-line for CSU was pretty good. And, you know, obviously CSU is not going to face a front seven that's anything close to what they had to go up against on Saturday again. I don't think they're going to ultimately, you know, be like that 2017 group with, you know, Zerblis and, and Bennett and Goldich. That offensive line was obviously Studley or, you know, some of those same Brylo, uh Richmond units, but... You know, with the experience that they have, particularly a couple of guys that were in the system, I, I think it'll, I think it'll be okay. You know, again, I, I don't think O line is going to be like the greatest strength of this team, but I mean, the, they were in a tough spot. They essentially had to build this O line on the fly. 
And obviously opening against Michigan is just a completely different beast. If they allow eight sacks to middle Tennessee, all right, start sounding, you know, some, some alarms at that point. But I, I think to freak out after one week would be, would be silly. Bill Best is a good coach. Like what I've seen from him so far has a really good reputation and Nevada's lines, you know, significantly improved when he was there. So I, I think CSU is is going to be okay. It's just one of those things that's going to take time. The passing offense is going to take time. There, there'll be moments where they connect, you know, like that touchdown play, like some of those crossers, and you're like, all right, all right, I see it. And, you know, there are going to be moments when they're out of rhythm, and it, it feels frustrating. <laughs> but again, this defense, this Michigan defense, from a talent and athleticism standpoint, just far superior to anything else that the Rams are going to come across. So, you know, let's let's see how they face against Middle Tennessee, Sac State, even Washington State, who really struggled with Idaho. That game feels a little bit more winnable. Don't want to get too overreactionary off, off of week one. Weird stuff happens in week one. But, you know, I think Ram fans are, are feeling a little bit better going into weeks two and three after seeing that Middle Tennessee got stomped, absolutely stomped by James Madison. Shout out to Todd Centeo former CSU quarterback. Toddy had six passing touchdowns and 100 rushing yards. Really, really awesome day for him. I mean, they just beat down Middle Tennessee. Still think that going 500 in non-conference play should be the hope. But, I mean, if you could somehow squeak out three wins, that, that would be huge. Anyways, sorry, I got a little sidetracked there. Uh, the last thing that I wanted to say on the offense, I was definitely surprised that we didn't see more of Dante Wright and some of those young receivers. That said, I, I honestly think it just had to do with the fact that they weren't really sustaining drives, so they weren't rotating. This is just my opinion, but you know, moving forward, I expect to see Dante featured more. Gary Williams is a guy we didn't see a ton of. I expect him to be a factor in this passing offense. You know, Justice Ross Simmons, you know, Louis Brown, some of these other young guys. But, you know, when you can't move the football and you're getting pushed back and, you know, having three and outs and stuff, you're, you're not really going to get that deep into the rotation. We'll have to keep an eye on it moving forward. Definitely something to watch out for in the next couple of games. And I'm going to give you some defensive takeaways, but real quick, Game Time is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. Ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could? 50-yard line, courtside, behind home plate maybe, floor seats for a concert. It is possible with the Game Time app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you thought you could never buy. You will not find a better deal this season on any of the local sports action than you will with Game Time. It's created by fans for fans, and they guarantee the lowest price. If you love the NVR, then you will love Game Time, the best way to support us, supporting our partners. So buy your tickets through Game Time. Join over 15 million people who have all downloaded the Game Time app. Score the best seats to all of your favorite events. Cool, cool, cool. Defensive takeaways. Uh, the Rams were without defensive tackle Devin Phillips, who was suspended for a violation of team rules that was originally reported by Kevin Lytle of the Fort Collins, Coloradoan. Not a great look for one of the most veteran players on the team. I mean, you know, right off the bat, Norvell is clearly going to try and, you know, establish a standard. They're trying to improve the culture there. But I, I was disappointed to see a player as experienced as Devin. You know, I don't know what he did. 
but to get suspended for a violation of, of team rules, that's, you know, just immaturity and irresponsibility. So, you know, hopefully it's not like a problem moving forward or anything like that, but uh, Grady Kelly got the start instead. I, I really like that the defense was able to force a three and out right off the bat. I thought that was great. You know, obviously a, a couple of errant throws there from McNamara. So, you know, got a little little help there in that regard, but take advantage. And that's what CSU did. I think the fact that the Rams were able to hold Michigan to field goals on three of four trips to the red zone, especially after constantly having to defend a short field, that was a great sign. That was a really great sign. I know Michigan technically scored on all seven red zone appearances, but you know the, the touchdowns largely came in the second half after the Rams' defense was just gassed. But this could have gotten really ugly really quick, especially after the turnover and stuff. And I, I just, I thought that the defense showed a lot of heart. That first touchdown they allowed, the screen pass, really poor tackling, some bad routes from a couple of DBs on that as well. Got to improve there. But after that, they really buckled down and they gave CSU a, a fighting chance in this one. And I, I thought they were, you know, gave a respectable effort. A few too many missed arm tackles early on. But that's pretty common in week one. You know, I'm, I'm not super worried about it. Couple of guys uh, that stood out defensively. Taiwan Francis led the Rams with nine total tackles, seven of which were solo. Also had a tackle for loss. He just flies all over the field. He's one of the guys I enjoy watching the most on this team. Just behind him, Daquan Jackson had eight total tackles, and Cameron Carter had eight as well. Him and Kulik rotating back and forth in this one. Mo Kamara had the Rams' lone sack of the day. Absolutely torched the right tackle. Just just a nice little move. Guy never even got a hand on him. Just obliterated the QB. I believe that was McNamara. It wasn't McCarthy at that point. Probably would have got an unnecessary roughness in the NFL, but got away with it. Absolutely lit him up, and that was awesome to see. He's a guy that, you know, really could be an, an NFL edge. I just think with his athleticism and how explosive he is. I mean, you just see how quickly he gets to the quarterback. He is going to be a handful. For Mountain West offensive lines. Really good game by Jack Howell. Seven total tackles, four solo. Almost had a pick. Um, I, I only saw one replay. It didn't look super conclusive to me, but I saw a couple people say it definitely dropped. So I, I'd take their word for it. Uh, that would have been a huge momentum swing. But again, you know, just forcing just forcing a field goal there on the short field was a win in itself for the defense. He's a guy that just always feels like he's in the right place at the right time. Like the ball just kind of finds him. But I just love how rangy he is. He's he's definitely one of my favorite players to watch on a week-to-week basis. Really looking forward to seeing how he can build off that really impressive freshman campaign. As a whole, I'm I'm pretty intrigued by this secondary in general. I'm cautiously optimistic about this defense. I think they have a potential to be you know, quite disruptive. I just, I think they have a couple of guys that can really, really get after the quarterback in Onyechi and Mo Kamara. I think they've got some intriguing guys coming up along the interior. I love that Daquan's back in the middle. And I just think they have a lot of athleticism in that secondary between all the safeties and, and the versatility that you have with being able to rotate, you know, King and Hector, you know, uh, to, to corner and, and safety and you know, being able to move some of these guys into nickel. It's just, I think it's going to be a team that forces more turnovers as the year goes on. 
And as they get more comfortable playing at game speed, we're really going to see how they can fly around. I still think early on in the process, especially against a team like Michigan, you know, maybe thinking a little bit, but these these guys can move. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be, you know, kind of closer to what we see from some of those San Diego State, you know, Boise State secondaries over the years. As far as special teams goes, I know that Patty Turner did not light it up. Five punts, an average of 36 yards. Uh, two inside the 20, none were longer than 50 yards. But that was a conscious decision by this staff to essentially, you know, like do a, some wedge punts and just prevent returns altogether. It, it, you know, it happens sometimes, especially if you're going up against a team with significantly more athleticism. You just see, you know, teams kind of take the safer route. It's kind of like laying up, you know, and instead of going for the green and golf, and, and that's what the Rams did in this one. The ball coming off of Patty's foot, it's not going to look or sound like what it came off of Stonehouse's because he was so unique. I do want to emphasize, though, that he has, he has shown a, a bigger leg in practice, and, and you will see it in some of these games moving forward. Again, he's, he's not going to be Stonehouse, but he's fine. He'll be fine. The last thing that I wanted to say about this game here before you know we move on, give some thoughts on the Mountain West, is just that Ultimately, it, it should not impact your view on the program or its its direction. You know, Michigan is a completely different beast. You got, you know, 1.8 million for, for going out and playing them. Hopefully that benefits the, the program. But, you know, really moving forward, this is where we get a a more realistic look at, at what this team is is capable of. Because again, just the gap between teams like Michigan and Alabama and, and everybody else, it's it's so significant in 2022. Like even in the last five years, it's it's just widened even further. Also factoring in that they had 59 new players, new systems on both sides of the ball, five you know new starting offensive linemen, a redshirt freshman quarterback making his first career start. I mean, this this was to be expected. Realistically, this was to be expected. Again, you know, a couple of years from now, you would like to see CSU hang a little bit better in these types of games. But when I see you know, number 11, Oregon get waxed and just absolutely waxed, not even shouldn't even be on the same field as Georgia. It just, man, it, it's made me reevaluate, you know, how I view some of these, these big games. But these next four are, are definitely more winnable. The trip to Wazoo is still going to be tough. I, I think they're better than what they showed against Idaho. But I'm, I'm really intrigued by, by what CSU can potentially accomplish here over the next month. Uh, before we wrap up, just an update on how some of the other teams around the conference fared this week. Starting Thursday, September 1st, Fresno State beat Cal Poly 35-7. to San Jose State barely snuck by Portland State, though. Portland State had an opportunity to uh, throw a Hail Mary to win. 21-17, the Spartans win that one. I, I do think that they will be better than what they showed, uh, but... You know, maybe I, I might have been giving them a little bit too much preseason respect. I still think that their front seven is one of the better ones in the conference, and I like Chevin Cordero a lot. So I don't want to I don't want to jump quite off the San Jose State wagon yet, uh, but definitely an interesting result. Utah State fell fifty five to zero in that game. Logan Bonner only completed three passes. Again, when you look at how some of these other quarterbacks, veteran quarterbacks that have started multiple years in their systems, have you know, fared in some of these matchups, the fact that Millen was able to complete 80% of his passes, I, I think that stands out. 
Air Force clobbered Northern Iowa in this one, 48 to 17. Uh, they allowed 14 points in the fourth quarter with their like twos and threes in, or this would have been an even bigger blowout. San Diego State drops their home opener in the new stadium, Snapdragon. They fall 38 to 20 to Arizona. Arizona, I do think, is going to be better than they have been these last couple of years. They had an influx of talent. Uh, Jaden Delora comes over from Washington State at quarterback. But a tough one for San Diego State. It was really, really hot. A bunch of their fans left right away. Not the not the best look. It was definitely a much different vibe than when the Rams hosted Oregon State in their stadium opener, which was my favorite memory in that stadium to this day. Wyoming won the craziest game of the slate. Double overtime thriller against Tulsa. Neither one of these teams seemingly wanted to win. It was it was just so bad down the stretch. <laughs> Andrew Peasley did look a lot better at quarterback for them. I will say the thing that definitely still stands out, Wyoming secondary looks pretty rough. I mean, Bryn, Tulsa's quarterback, torched them for 460 yards and three touchdowns, especially at some points in the second and third quarter. They were just kind of doing whatever they wanted offensively. If the Rams have their passing offense rolling by the border war, that could be a, a chance for CSU to really throw some points on the board. And it's it's really been a while since you could say that, since defense has kind of been the identity of the program since Craig Bull went there defense and, and running the ball. Nevada, in a game where they were home dogs, beat Texas State 38-14. to Actually won a little bit of money on that. It was a rough week for your boy. Utah killed me against Florida. Ohio State not covering against Notre Dame hurt. I had the over in CSU Michigan that hurt, but uh, Nevada able to win at home. I still think they're going to be tougher than people recognize. I think they've got a chip on their shoulder and I think they've got enough talent, especially defensively to where they're, they're going to keep it interesting. They've got a, you know, a good run game with a couple of veteran backs. I, I think out of them, Hawaii and Wyoming, the teams that just got obliterated by the transfer portal, they will definitely be the most competitive New Mexico beat Maine 41-0 in Albuquerque. Good for the Lobos. I mean, it's Maine, but at least they got a win. I'd like to see that program turn around. And in the nightcap, Boise State falls at Oregon State 34-17. Uh, they did score 17 points in the second half to kind of make it interesting, but they were down 24-0 at halftime. Senior quarterback Hank Bachmeyer benched after the first quarter. Now they've got uh, controversy there. You know, do they... Stick with Green, you know, the redshirt freshman that definitely is a, a more dynamic athlete, but probably doesn't run the offense quite as, you know, efficiently. A guy that just kind of runs around. He had 11 carries for 102 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Has a big arm, but, you know, Bachmeyer is, is just kind of a little bit more efficient in that system. That's why he won the job. Um, that said, I've never been a big Bachmeyer guy. And I think with what you saw, from Green and just his ability to improvise, I think you kind of got to roll with that, especially after after how this game went. The the counter is is I I don't know, you know how how much does the locker room rally behind Bachmeyer given that he's a senior quarterback? Like is he a guy that has it by command that could create problems too? So interesting situation to watch at Boise, but there's you know a lot of reasons I thought that they were overhyped coming into the season. The fact that they aren't quite as talented as they get made out to be. But I also think they get too much love offensively. And we kind of saw that in this Oregon State matchup. All right, that's all I have for this week. I'm looking forward to hearing what Norvell has to say during his press conference on Monday, getting back up to practice, and then ultimately getting back into Canvas Stadium. It's 
supposed to be really hot all week, but it sounds like it might let up a little bit this weekend. So fingers crossed there. It's just going to be so good to see everybody. I saw, you know, some tweets from people just referencing, you know, how cool it was to see all the, the CSU fans out in Ann Arbor. Shout out to all of you guys that were able to make the trip. I bet it was a blast. Really looking forward to this next stretch here, though. I think, you know, the Rams got some winnable games and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to talking about it all, creating as much content for you guys as possible. You know, now is always a great time to become a DNVR member. Annual subscription, you get a free t-shirt. Ends up being $5 a month. If you factor in the free t-shirt, it's $2.50 a month. But uh, yeah, that, that's all I have for today. Much love, y'all. Peace. Khakis wearing graphic tees, feeling way too trendy. Raps that kill. Oh, I'm deadly. Primed and ready like machetes at a deli in New Delhi. Feeling scummy like Martin Scarelli. Turn jam into jelly, then drink it like juice. The water's the truth, so I sip on that too. Skinny looking kid with no car keys. Like the only thing I drive is RCRV. He's got the stash like Steve Harvey. Oh, I'm gnarly like non